Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Dave Onestead hanging out with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Always a delight to talk to Coach Wanstead and Dave. Um, tough stuff, always, every time of year. Uh, 25% of, uh, of coaches, of general managers, seem to turn over every year in the NFL. And, and really, it's different than any other business where you're not dismissing CEOs with that kind of regularity. But everyone knows the deal. You've been through it. You've seen uh, uh, things happen that are totally unexpected. You've uh, had to pick up and move and go to different places. It's part of the business. What goes through your mind on uh, Black Monday when you, guy like Ron Rivera, you know well, you you gave him his first job in in uh, coaching. It's it's just got to hurt a little bit for people that uh, that lose their jobs. Yeah, it it's a tough tough business, tough day. Uh, for the most part, guys, you know I'm sure that Ron obviously anticipated this. There was no. No surprise there in Washington. I think Ron would be the first guy to say that. So, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, your kind of your staff has a pretty good idea. You know, that you hate to say it, they're work- they're hoping to stay with the new guy, but but because of their loyalty to you, they've they they they're, they're staying loyal to the job. But at the same time, they're working the phones, looking for other opportunities. They come home from work, the wife, the kids. You know, what's going to happen, Dad? Are we going to have to move? You know, are we going to have to sell the house? I mean, all those things become into play. And, um, you know, it's uh, I've always believed it's not the crisis that happens in your life, but how you respond to it that makes the difference. And um, uh, that's what these coaches have to do. That's the business that we've chosen or they've chosen. Dave, that's great advice. And that is tremendous perspective, really. And that sounds like a guy – who has been through this kind of uncertainty before. So I guess let's look locally. I think the guy who probably feels the highest level of anxiety or uncertainty is probably Luke Getze, somebody you know well. I just wonder if you could speak to what you maybe think he's going through right now and what you expect the Bears to do. That We don't have any clarity on Matt Eberflus, even though we expect him to return. There's the, the, Then there's also the Getze factor, which I think, Dave, if they bring everybody back, that would be hard to defend. So some of these realities may be in play. How would you assess the Bears and Getze and what's ahead? Well, I'll start with Floose, David. You know, he, I think he's done a fantastic job this year. He'll be back. He, he better be back. I mean, I would be shocked and disappointed if he wasn't. Uh, not only did he, uh, you know, with the, the, the problems that they had with the staff members earlier, and he took over the defense, he didn't just take over the defense and say, okay, guys, we got to play hard. They made schematic changes. They became one. They they went from a bottom ten in interceptions to top ten. They went from bottom ten in stopping the run to top ten. Uh, they became more of a blitz team. They became more of a single high team as compared to a two deep. So he made a lot of schematic changes 
and uh, that he felt n- need be. So give him credit for that, and also give him credit for keeping the team together. As a head coach, you know, you're not just focused on the defense, even though you're calling it. You know, you, you've got to deal with the offense and special teams every week. So Flus, I thought, did a great job. And I, and I think that, he, that the coaches are looking at it. I'll tell you what, I don't care who the – thank God Justin Fields can move. We, we talked about Michael Penix earlier in the show. Right. Molly brought it up. If Michael Penix was the quarterback at Green Bay, he wouldn't have lasted the game. He would have been knocked out of that game. I'll tell you what, Justin Fields took shots in that game and he scrambled to avoid pressure. I was comp- I was surprised he could complete any passes. I mean, it, it, it was it, we we didn't do a very good job up front. I, I was highly highly disappointed in our protection up there uh, against the Packers. But uh, I would look at Luke Getzey and say, you know, the only thing that we got trapped on, and I think I've got a pretty good beat on this, is going through the OTAs, guys. And I was up there bunch and training camp, and I was there. Justin Fields is completing everything. Every, now, there's no live pass rush, right? Everybody's blocking everybody. Receivers are open. Everybody's feeling good about Justin taking the next step. All right. He doesn't play in the preseason game for what 10% of the plays or whatever we said he did. Now we get into live action. They're coming after him. The coverage is tight. Blah, blah, blah. And... And, and it got us the first few games. It got us. We were – because Justin w- could not do we, – we overestimated where we were at as an offense, okay? Then we make the adjustment, and that's where we're at. I think Luke Getzey did a very good job. The only mistake was we, un- we under overestimated where we were going to be at. And now I think that Getzey, Flus, I think that Ryan Poles – this is where Justin Fields is, guys. This is what he brings to the table from his athleticism to his passing on the move to the bootlegs. The guy's is as good as anybody you're going to find. Okay, now here's the question. If I'm Ryan Poles, this is what they got to answer. Is what Justin does to win games, can we get to the Super Bowl doing that? If you and then and then put another layer on it and say who's going to take his place? Who's better? You know, there's an old expression and I've used it that uh, talent sets the floor on a player. Okay, character sets the ceiling, and by that I'm not talking about a good guy, a bad guy, a criminal type of character. I'm talking about football character. Is he in early? Is he staying late? Is he a tough guy? Uh, is he handled good adversity with his teammates? And and you check all those boxes with Justin Fields. Does Caleb Williams and these young guys, and I'll shut up on this, do they have more talent? They might have more talent, okay? The numbers would prove that some of these guys probably do. But, but, okay, and I say a big but, If are you sure that the character, the ceiling is going to be there? Ryan Poles? You guys, if you're not sure, be careful. You you get rid of Fields, okay? Get rid of Getzey. You're going to get a new coordinator, a new a new quarterback. You better be darn sure what we're getting. And I think that is where this whole thing is right now, and that's the decision that's got to be made with those factors being involved. Get rid of somebody who's going to take his place that's going to take us to another level. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that that's uh, very interesting, Dave, and I, I think that that's a, it's a good argument to make. But I, I also think that, you know, if they did not have the number one overall pick, we wouldn't be talking about Justin Fields in danger or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is they can take any player they want first. And some of these guys are thought of as <clears> – <throat> as um, the kind of guy that you wait a career to draft and you wait 10 years to draft. And if that's the case, they need to know it. They need to be able to, to, um, to make a move and do what's best for the team. Yep. And if it's not, then they can make a trade and, and maybe get really good. But those, that's why you get paid for those jobs. Yes. It's like, yeah. Right. I mean, and, and, and Ryan Poles, don't you agree that Ryan Poles has done a very good job of that to this point. So I would yeah. say, hey, let's trust him, Bears fans. Let's trust Ryan. I mean, he knows what he's doing and his staff, and they're going to be thorough. And, uh, you know, you don't want to get rid of Getze and keep Justin Fields and bring in a new offense. That's not being fair to Justin or this team, in my opinion. You're going to change offenses, give Justin a new offense to learn. That's his third offense in four years. To me, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. And I think that's why they're probably joined philosophically and joined in terms of the way if one goes, they probably both go. Dave, that was an impassioned defense of Luke Getze and Justin Fields, and I totally know where you're coming from. I just think that in, in regard to Fields, the weight of 38 starts makes me wonder, yeah, the strength of, of his character makes you think his ceiling is very high. But I also think the weakness of, of some things that we've seen in the passing game make you wonder if that lowers the ceiling considerably. And as for Getze, I just think that he had too many opportunities, specifically in short yardage situations where they were really frustrating, Dave. He got he fell in love with ideas and concepts, and he got too cute, and he didn't grasp the obvious. And I just wonder if that ultimately will cost him his job. Well, I hope the short yardage doesn't because I tell you what, if I would have gone into Tony Wise, our line coach, and said, I want to run the quarterback sneak on fourth and one, and and – we, and this is when Jenkins was out, and, and Cody White here, I love Cody, he's been a good player, but he's in there at left guard, and Lucas Patrick's in there at center, and Nate Davis is in there at right guard. Tony Wise would have turned to me and said, you're going to run the sneak? Well, good luck, because we can't block these guys, and we won't make it. So we better come up with another play. So I don't buy into the quarterback sneak thing and some of the things we've tried in short yardage. I think it was because we didn't have confidence in blocking people well enough to make it. And if you're not confident, you, you got to find another alternative. So I would not, David, I kind of, uh, I'm on the other side of the fence on that stuff without sitting in the meetings. I'm just talking, watching, watching like everybody. But uh, uh, that's a thought that comes to my mind there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, we, we overestimated what Justin could do early in the year. And yeah, Luke, Luke's got an answer to that. There's no question about that. Uh, Cause we, you know, for several reasons, we let a couple games get ahead of us. And the last point, and I, and I'll shut up here, is you know the one thing, David, and you were alluding to it. I don't know if you or Molly said it. The one thing that I've been saying all along that separates quarterbacks, and I'm, I'm repeating myself: you're down by ten, you got five minutes to go in the game. Can your quarterback take you down the field twice and win the game for you? We have not seen Justin do that. Uh, you know, have we had this year against Minnesota? He gets a field goal, and we win the game. It's tied. 
So we have seen a little bit of it. But I, I would like to see more of that. I would like to see him when, to be honest with you, when, uh, when they know you're going to throw it and you know you have to throw it, and now can we go win a game? I mean, that's you got to have that in a quarterback. I totally agree. And, and unfortunately, Kenny or Canty, we haven't seen it, so I don't, uh, you know, I, I guess I just have a, a little bit of hope there that um, maybe he would. How does he compare with these other guys? I don't know. It's a great point, Dave, and and um, I think that maybe everything that we're talking about is a little bit complicated by the fact that as much as a season finale doesn't matter, you had a chance to go up to Green Bay, beat that team, keep yeah. them out of the playoffs, and instead it was just like a an advertisement for the future of Jordan Love. I mean, the guy was phenomenal in that game. And I think he had – he missed four throws and three of them could have been caught. It, right. it was ridiculous, you know? I know. I, I read a quote by Brisker. What game was – and I love Brisker. He's a great young player for us. Trust me. Now, he did go to Penn State and I went to Pitt. We're rivals. I, I, would, I, I would kid him on that. But what game was he at, you know? <laughs> when I read that thing where he said their receivers, what is something about they aren't any good, I don't like them, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I think Jordan Love bot set a passing record, didn't he? 80% completion or some crazy number? 84.4. Coach, we couldn't complete 84% <laughs> against air with nobody on defense. <laughs> seven on seven. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jeez, oh, man. Dave, when you look at the Bears then in terms <laughs> of the – we're still waiting for her. clarity on the staff and the coaches. How about the roster? Do you think that there will be – major changes i think if you look at you know the offensive line that you referenced that probably could use an overhaul defensively i think you feel very good about your core and the foundational pieces i just wonder when you look at this from the personnel perspective the one area that you have expertise in as well what, what do you expect from the bears roster this offseason well even with the addition the great addition ryan poles great job with with montez sweat we still ended up with what 29 sacks i think we were 30th in the NFL. So we were in the bottom five, you know. Uh, even though our interceptions, we were in the top 10 uh, in interceptions and number one in the NFL and stopping the run, uh, we, we need another pass rusher. We need another pass rusher, and, and I don't think anybody would debate that because, you know, Flus did a great job of designing some blitzes to get pressure and get sacks, which helped on these interceptions. We need a pass rusher, but the offensive line, I would go to center. I, I almost would, would look there before tackle. I really would. and be, Because uh, an outstanding center, like we had with Olin Krutz for years, I mean, not only is the guy got to be, you know, a, a heck of a player, a great player, a Hall of Fame player you'd like to get like Olin Krutz is, but you, he, the guy needs to be smart and because he's kind of directing which way the protection is and – and if there's games coming, he's alerting that he, he's doing a lot more of the mental part of football, probably the most of all the offensive linemen. So you got to get a heck of a player and a smart guy at the same time. So that position can be really valuable, and it's probably not talked about enough. So I'd love to see the Bears to get a center. And um, I don't know. I, I think we need another guard, too. You know, I mean, I, I really right. do. Uh, I'm not as hung up on the tackle position. You know, I, I love – you know, right, and I think our left tackle. I mean, I, I think center and guard. We got to look at hard. That's what I would do. 
and those are cheaper positions. I mean, not not that you're looking for just cheap, but it, I mean, you could, you, you know, they they have had a chance to draft the first center taken in the last couple drafts. They they need to bite the bullet <clears throat> and do that. I agree. No, there's some great ones out there, and uh, if if you if you get a great one, I mean, you, you look at Detroit right now. You look at uh, yep. Philadelphia right now. I mean, go around the league and look at some of the top running teams and 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 offenses, and they they have a great center. Inside the room today, perhaps you've been in these meetings between a head coach and a general manager, and maybe the team president. I wonder. Does Matt Eberflus, you know, make his case? Does he have to do that? Does he know where he stands? How do these conversations unfold, and who does most of the talking? Well, no. You know what? I don't. I think today's meeting is a little bit overrated uh, because I know Ryan. I know how Ryan and Matt do it. You're talking every week. You're probably watching the film every week together, and you're making a case. Then you are saying. Boy, you know, this was the call, and this is what we were supposed to do. This was the plan. And so, you know, Ryan Poles is up to speed with what players, you know, were productive from a standpoint of executing what the plan was and what weren't. And he also is up to speed on the scheme, going into the game, what we were trying to do with Justin Fields on offense, what Luke's plan was. I mean, Flus and them talk about this before the game and then after the game. What went wrong? Okay, was it a bad call? Uh, was it bad execution by the players? Was it a you know what what went wrong? Why was it not successful and why was it successful? So, I think these the meeting now is is pretty much it, it's like coaches knowing if they're going to be back or not. I, I think the writing is pretty much on the wall at this point. And the same thing with this meeting with the GM. Everybody makes a big deal about it. you got to have an announcement. But pretty much they, they, they know where, where each guy stands and how they feel about staff, how they feel about the schemes that they're doing, and what needs to change. So I don't – you know, it's, it's a big deal to us and the public because it's, it's all, you know, official and it, 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 there's announcements and all that stuff. But in-house, they pretty much know. Dave, I'm interested in in just division games, right? Um, the, it seems as if the Bears match up pretty well with Detroit. As good as Detroit has been, the Bears match up with them. Should have beaten them twice, beat them once. It seems like the Bears have a terrible matchup with Green Bay for whatever reason. And uh, Matt LaFleur, 10-0 in his time in Green Bay against the Bears, and the Bears don't beat Green Bay. It just seems Justin Fields never beat him uh, since he's been here. And obviously, as we mentioned, LaFleur beating various Bears coaches. What is that just the nature of football? Is there are there teams that for whatever reason, even like division rivalry games where you just match up better with a team than you do with a different team? Yeah, there is something to that, Molly. There is. But I think more so. It's just having confidence in doing it. You got to do it one time. You got to beat Green Bay. Uh, you got to beat them up there, and it changes the complexion. It changes the mentality. I think on on how you approach it. You know, it's um, uh, you know. I remember Al Davis back in the day when I just first came into the league, and we were working against the Raiders down there in Dallas. Uh, Might have been out in L.A. I can't remember. Uh, we did it both places, and uh, he was talking to Jimmy. 
and he was talking about how he needed to to get better personnel. The Chargers were the team then, okay? The Chargers were the team. You know, they were coming off the Dan Fouts era and all that, and Eric Cor- Coriel throwing right. the ball down the field. And he says, you know, we got that's the team. We we got to get players to be able to beat the best in our division. And he says, if we get players where we can match up and beat the best in our division, then we're gonna we're we're gonna be the champion. And that's how we'll take the next step. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, who won our division? Detroit did, yeah. and we match up good against them, Molly. So I I think it's got to be. I don't think it's physical. I really don't. I I think we can cover those guys. I think we can get pressure. I, it's got to be a, as much a mentality thing as anything at this point. Great stuff, Dave. Thanks a ton. We appreciate it. I'm sure we'll keep it going. We got a yeah. playoff and Super Bowl and all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yep. Okay, guys. Good talking with you. Take care. That is Coach Wanstead. Always a delight to get his perspective on things. And, uh, you know, Dave Dave hired Luke Getze. Dave hired uh, uh, Janoko, Andrew Janoko. So I, I, I understand his perspective. But you asked for an explanation and a defense of somebody earlier in the week. I think Dave just gave it to you. Yeah, I think so. And I, I kind of expected that. But I do think that's the other side of the argument. It's not one you hear very loudly no, in Chicago. No. But he articulated it really well and had his points to defend. And I get where he's coming from, even though I don't agree with it. 312-644-6767. Mullion Hall on the score. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Ryan Poles, don't you agree that Ryan Poles has done a very good job of that to this point? So I would say, hey, let's trust him, Bears fans. Let's trust Ryan. I mean, he knows what he's doing and his staff, and they're going to be thorough. And, uh, you know, you don't want to get rid of Getze and keep Justin Fields and bring in a new offense. That's not being fair to Justin or this team, in my opinion. You're going to change offenses, give Justin a new offense to learn. That's his third offense in four years. To me, that that makes no sense whatsoever. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. That is uh, our guy, Dave Wanstead, making an impassioned plea for his guy, Luke Getze. So that's great, Dave, to to kind of be true to his man. Now, the problem is you don't agree with it, right? Didn't you just say that? I, yeah, I'm not, I, do, I don't agree with it necessarily. I, yeah. I appreciate his loyalty. I think coaches can be loyal to a fault. I appreciate that and where he's coming from. Coaches also love the status quo a lot of times. I just don't think that if you are – trying to get to the next level and you have a team president that comes in reportedly, supposedly ambitious. I don't think that it's compatible to think that you're going to bring in somebody full of ambition and thinking big, and then you're going to bring back the same quarterback coordinator head coach combination that you, that led you to, you know, seven and 10 three and 14. I just don't see that happening. And I don't think it's the right way to go. The argument for Matt Eberflus to stay as a head coach, it's a little more complicated, but uh, I, you could justify firing everybody and starting over. 
I just don't think that's going to happen. So I am looking at it from what I think we expect to happen, which is, which is what Dave thinks is a bad idea because I don't think he would fire Luke Getze, and I think he would keep Justin Fields. Yeah, it'll be really interesting um, to see what happens again. You know, I I submitted a question on uh, on our pick, pick six um, about uh, whether this was just a lull or whether this was going to end up being a, uh, a you know the Bears avoided Black Monday, but. I, even as I'm writing it, I am checking to see if there's any breaking news because I didn't know if something would happen overnight. You're relying on Dustin to monitor the headlines uh, when he gets in as well because who knows? I mean, it, this could easily happen tomorrow. Word could get out. We have no idea what the Bears are going to do. We su- we suspect that they're going to do something, but um, – it, it's hard to figure right now until they let you know what the plan is. Didn't you get the sense before we get to the phone calls uh, that Matt Eberflus, when he spoke Sunday night at Lambeau Field, post-game, tough loss, 17-9, to not the way you wanted to finish the season. But in that room, Molly, I think, and he probably projected this into the cameras, he seemed a little more comfortable and confident, like he knew something. And I think he's been operating like that of late. So I would be really surprised in that context if he got bad news in the next couple of days or even today, well, I think I think he's yeah. staying. And and the general manager has backed him at every turn, including before an interview before that game uh, that, that would be taped uh, earlier in the week. And he seemed to back the coach pretty good yet again, talking about him, um, you know, steady hand and showing up every day and, you know, things that most people have to do in their job but are rewarded when you're apparently talking about a head coach. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, because I Just is that kidding. that's something you should assume everybody does, right? Yeah, work hard, Lost cares it. about, conscientious. Yeah. But, I, but I think yeah. – but, but in amplifying that, what Ryan Poles did was I think he – he put his own credibility at risk if he changes course now. You can you can kid radio colleagues about being flip-floppers. You don't want to say that about sports executives. You don't want to see them changing course, ex- expressing loyalty to somebody, and then two days later, ah, you're fired. Unless Craig Council's available. That's the only, that's the only situation where that's allowed. Then you can justify that. Yes, that, of course. That, then you're not yes. questioning his credibility. You're complimenting no, it because exactly. he's the, the foresight it took takes and the guts it takes to be able to pull that one off. You're like, okay, tough day, David Ross. Great move, Chicago Cubs. He's our guy. We love him. Of course, he's back. Uh, hey, uh, I'm wondering if you could grab a cup of coffee with me. I have to be in town. <laughs> Let's be honest here. Unless it's your kids or your spouse, all love is conditional, right? There you go. I, I mean, I, I would argue that, that there are conditions to love with your spouse. I mean, don't you, don't you have to kind of be true to your school and go along with the program a little bit? I don't think uh, – I mean – the kids unconditional uh family yeah blood relatives but i mean you want to keep your love alive you better kind of follow some conditions in my okay. opinion thank you i did not know we were going down this road today but i appreciate the advice it up. Yeah. let's go lines 312-644-6767 dave is on the odyssey app hey dave hey guys good morning love your show 
tell me if I'm oversimplifying this. Okay, so you can assume that you will have Justin or a quarterback with his skill set, moves well, throws well on the rules, um, you know, has a good deep ball, a good mobile quarterback. That's Caleb or maybe, or maybe somebody else you're going to draft. So in that, uh-huh. if that's the assumption, then don't you have to really consider the, the selection of the, the offensive coordinator to be number one decision that you're going to make in the offseason? Yes, if you're going for a new offensive coordinator, it better be somebody that has a quarterback-friendly scheme. You know, presumably if you use the first overall pick on a quarterback, you're going to play him immediately, and you better be able to make sure that guy works out and that guy does a, uh, has a, a competent uh, understanding of what he's getting and how to develop him. Dave, it's an excellent point, but I would just offer this. I do think that the offensive coordinator play caller is is an offseason priority. I don't think it outweighs the priority or is bigger than the, the quarterback decision. I think when it comes down to big games, playoff games, we saw uh, last weekend with the Colts, it's not always the plays, it's the players. And that's when I think the players have to be the right choices. And I think that's why what you do at quarterback is a bigger decision than what you do with your offensive coordinator. They're married. They're tied together. Both of them have got to be right, and both of them are significant. But if I had to say that the offensive coordinator is a bigger decision than the quarterback, I don't think I would tend to agree with that. Tom is listening on the Odyssey app. Hey, Tom. Oh, my God, we lost Tom. My fault. I was too busy joking around about conditional love. You were too busy giving marital advice. No, I'm just making a joke. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I, can I can I mention one thing that we talked to Dave about that I think we should address again? And that is, you know, Michael Penix Jr. did get beaten up pretty dramatically. But I, I got to tell you, like, I kind of respect that he stayed in the game and that he took that beating. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I get it. You worry, how's he going to hold up in the NFL? Boy, did he take a beating. But that, that greatest line ever assembled stuff, that, you know, that, the biggest play of the game is when they come out and go into the second half. He gets the, the, the Michigan defensive lineman drives the, the offensive lineman into him. The guy stomps on his ankle. He throws the pick. And now he's compromised for the rest of the game. He real that was a really tough way to get hurt. Tough kid, never gonna question that. Tough kid, but I think I have to be honest about my overreaction to last night. Went in thinking Michael Penix Jr. could be a top five pick. He could be one of those guys who who vault up. I left the game wondering how low in the first round he'll be taken. Yeah, I know. I, I know. mean, well, I, and then listen, the the reality is. He tore his ACL in 2018, and again in 2020, he had shoulder injuries in both 2019 and 2021. I mean, there are medical flags with a guy like that that you're going to be worried about. Then you see him take that beating, and even if he's if he's coming back out, I mean, he must have like he looked like he had a broken rib. I, every time he threw the ball, he was like wincing, and he was trying to. It was it was awful to see the beating that guy took. If it was boxing, they'd have thrown in the towel. 
and and you know, uh, Kalen DeBoer was the was the uh, uh, his uh, his uh, offensive coordinator at Indiana, and uh, and Penix followed him to Washington, and both of those guys must have known what it's like to be in the Big Ten and to take a beating from a Michigan team in the Big Ten, right? I mean, it's some level that had, you know, we, oh, well, you know, they didn't know what Michigan football, they didn't know what Big Ten football, they did. And damn, they took a beating. The stakes were higher, but the pain was familiar. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got Mike Florio next. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com slash ProFootballTalk. Day by day, day by day, we get better and better. better, better. So we can't be beat. We can't be beat. We'll be beat. Game's up. Game's up. NFL insider Mike Florio with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We love our opportunity to talk to Mike Florio when he joins us now. On the score hotline, which of course is powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Michael, good morning. How are you? Doing great today. How are you guys? Well, we're fired up. And uh, Mike, we saw the uh, the national championship last night and we thought, wow, you know, Jim Harbaugh used to play for the Bears. I wonder if he wants to come out and join the NFL again. And I know the Chargers probably the place he'd go. I know Michigan wants to keep him. What are your thoughts on Harbaugh to the NFL? Well, he wanted the Chargers job last year, and it wasn't available. This year, there's going to be multiple teams that have serious interest in him. Two years ago, he wanted the Vikings job. It didn't work out. Last year, the Broncos talked to him, and as I said, he wanted the Chargers job. This year, coming off of the 15-0 season, the national championship, and with so many teams looking, he's never going to have more options or leverage than he has right now, and I think he's going to look at everything that's out there. And you touch on an interesting dynamic. We've got the jobs that are open. What if there's a team out there that is content, not thrilled, but content with its current head coach and would be interested in upgrading to Harbaugh if it could? How do you make that happen? while also honoring the letter and the spirit of the Rooney Rule and all other hiring requirements for the NFL. And we know that some of these deals get lined up ahead of time, but I could see a team at least thinking, an owner at least pondering the idea of trying to keep the bird in the hand while pursuing the Harbaugh in the bush, but not relinquishing the bird in the hand until you know. Almost like what the Raiders did several years ago when they hired John Gruden. Jack Del Rio was fine, but we can get John Gruden. Are the Bears one of those teams? I don't know. Is there a team out there like that? I don't know, thinking we're content with who we have, but boy, if we could get Jim Harbaugh, we'd be even more content. That's exactly the way the Bears should handle this and proceed accordingly. I like that idea, Mike, because of what's at stake and the ability to upgrade. Not sure that's going to happen. Let's look at Washington. What are they going to do? Are they waiting for Bill Belichick? Are they? Do they have a plan B? If that's their plan A, what do you think? I'm told that Josh Harris, the new owner of that team, is enamored with the idea of Bill Belichick being the coach. The question is, are they willing to let him be more than a coach? Does he want to be more than the coach? He said something yesterday about relinquishing personnel power in New England. Was that a message 
to other teams that if you are interested in me, I don't have to run everything. My concern in Washington got a lot of cooks all of a sudden in the kitchen there. And Josh Harris, the owner of the team, mentioned yesterday he'll work with his three partners. Not a lot of owners who hold the majority piece of a team and have minority partners listen to the minority partners at all. That's one of the benefits of having control. You don't have a vote when you have a limited stake in a team. But Harris is going to listen to them. And Harris has Bob Myers, the former NBA executive, involved in this process. And Rick Spielman, the former Vikings and Dolphins GM, is in this process. Is it too diluted? Is it too many people? And is it a means to a predetermined end? Is this about sanitizing and legitimizing Josh Harris doing whatever the hell he wants to do anyway, and all roads are going to lead back to what he would do if he wasn't getting this advice. But by having all these advisors, it looks like it isn't just the owner making his decisions without really the skill, the ability, the experience to do so. So it, it just, I'd be uncomfortable if I took that job, if I'm Jim Harbaugh or whoever, because it just seems like there's too many people that I'd have to worry about, too many personalities that I have to navigate in order to do my job the way I want to do it. I got to tell you, you know, Belichick's been unbelievable. And obviously he's chasing that all-time record and he wants it. And it doesn't surprise me that he wants to continue coaching. But, Mike, um, I I laughed aloud when I saw he had become the all-time losing his coach and route to that record. So we know how good he's been. But like everyone, he's had some dark times. Well, when you coach as many games as he's coached and you have a winning percentage of nearly 65%, you are eventually going to have all the records, the wins, the losses, everything. And look, he's a great coach. The Patriots know he's a great coach. The question is whether he's doing enough beyond coaching to truly have the most successful team ever. Personal, and I've said for years, Bill Belichick, the GM, has to be propped up by Bill Belichick, the head coach. Whatever team you give him, he's going to get the most out of it. But could he be making better decisions about who the team is and developing those players? Once you have the players, he can take them and get them ready to play. Is he getting the right players? Is he getting them ready to play? Are the Patriots willing to try to work with him to keep him around? I believe it's just a matter of the label that gets applied at this point, and his comments from yesterday made it clear the options are simple. Fire me or keep me, but I'm going to be here working. I'm not going to do a mutual parting. We're not going to lock arms. We're not going to raise fists and walk off into the sunset, just go in different directions. And I think a trade, the more I hear about it, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, a trade can't happen. It's too impractical, and he has no reason to go along with it. I think his attitude is, I'm going to go back to work, and I'm going to keep working until you tell me not to. And when you tell me not to, I'll go find another job. Mike, Super Wild Card Weekend is great for the sport. I just wonder, when you look at the teams involved, are there any that, if they lose, they might fire their coach? Well, I know that some folks in New England, as they try to plan out the end game of moving on from Bill Belichick, and this is something I heard several weeks ago. Mike McCarthy, if the Cowboys lose in the Wild Card round, or... In the divisional round, if they don't get back to the NFC Championship for the first time since 1995, and we can dotted line blame back to McCarthy for some key decision, you know, like what we saw in the game 
what was it? The game against the Lions where he left too much time on the clock because he threw the ball on second and 15. We never get to the two-point conversion controversy if he manages the clock properly because the Lions don't have enough time to get down the field and score a touchdown. If there's a failure like that that contributes to them losing, McCarthy out, Belichick in. And on the surface, it doesn't work. Well, it worked with Parcells. And if Belichick is willing to relinquish control, it could work with the Cowboys. And from his perspective, you know, we're so caught up in the jobs currently available. There's 14 teams that are still playing. And if he wants to win right away, what better team to take over than a team with a playoff caliber roster already in place? And when you look at the Cowboys, you've got Michael Parsons, kind of a young Lawrence Taylor. You've got a quarterback in place. You've got a great offense in place. That, the Cowboys game, it's always fascinating when the Cowboys play. It's even more fascinating because if Mike McCarthy fails in one of these next two games, he could be out and Belichick could be in. Great stuff, Mike. We, we'd ask you about Chicago, but nobody seems to care nationally. <laughs> uh, Keep Justin Fields. Keep uh, Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. All right, buddy. Okay. Thank you so much. Take care, pal. That is our guy, Mike Florio. Yeah, I I love talking to Mike, and it's uh, it's fascinating to think about the different coaches that will be available, and and whether or not the Bears are a part of that. I, I it, you know, we'll hear more later in the week, but it seems increasingly, David, that uh, the Bears are not a part of that. Yeah, and I asked him about the playoff teams because you hear the rumblings in Dallas. What's Philadelphia going to be like if the Bucks eliminate the Eagles? I know that you know it's not been a great year for Nick Sirianni. You just wonder. It's the NFL. Strange things happen. You don't expect it, but it's those unexpected firings that catch off guard. All righty. We'll be right back. 312-644-6767. We're going to talk to Jarrett Payton next. Mully and Haw on the score. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.